Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. And I am J.P. Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. J.P., how are you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. Rob, did you hear the latest craze installing in uh, trampolines on cruise ships? No. Yeah, now everyone's jumping on board. Okay. <laughs> Tell wow. what cruise band we are talking about today and what song we are covering. We're talking about Pablo Cruz, and the song is Love Will Find a Way. That it's so radio. We're talking about Pablo <laughs> Cruz and their signature hit, Love Will Find a Way. <laughs> find a way by pablo cruz we're going to talk about what just happened there with the key uh as we dig into the song (laughs) what exactly just went on but that is from the 1978 album worlds away it is written by david jenkins and our guest today Corey larios of pablo cruz he'll be talking with us later um and uh, you're gonna love this guy he's got so much interesting stuff to talk about he has really found a niche as a uh, in the movie and film business um doing uh, scoring and and continuing with pablo cruz sure uh but uh he's really his his list of credits we're going to talk about a little bit uh and uh, it's, it's really something so you're going to enjoy our, our conversation with Corey larios coming up in just a few minutes this song is also produced by another alum of the show, producer legendary Bill Schnee on the uh, behind the board for this one. Uh, we did an episode with Bill a couple seasons back as a between season uh, in our sort of tour of the music industry. Uh, that was a really, that was one of the most fun things that we've done between seasons. Um, if you've never gone through and checked out like our sort of, unofficial bonus episodes between seasons you should you owe it to yourself we've done some really good stuff we did a couple of like mini seasons of a thing called playlist my life uh that i felt could have been its own podcast entirely really could have uh and then we did a tour of the tour of the uh music industry and then we just did some random we did the like the um what's it called? Like just, just random. Like if you like this band, oh, right. the stuff like CCM bands used to do, uh, you know, if you like uh Soundgarden, you, you know, you will enjoy big tent revival <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. Right. Uh, there's all sorts of little random stuff. If you've never gone back and checked out our between season episodes, don't, don't miss those. Um, so level find a way went to 
Number six on the Billboard Hot 100. I mean, this was a big hit. Number 28 on the Billboard Easy Listening chart. Number five on the US Cashbox chart. Number five in Canada. Number eight in Australia. And number 20 in New Zealand. It was the number 44 Billboard for all of 1978 in the United States and number 48 for all of 1978 in Canada. So it's like, um, I, I, I have this in my brain as yacht rock and it's on oh, like, it's on all these yacht rock yeah. compilations. Um, you know, and I've got to get my hands on, there's a, I think there's two volumes of a, like, now that's what I call yacht rock on like vinyl. That's like ocean blue kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I need them just cause just whatever. Cause. I just, cause I do. Right. But, um, and it doesn't hurt that the name of the band is Pablo Cruz. Pablo Cruz immediately. Yeah. It lends itself to that sort of, but it really is kind of on the, on the disco end of that spectrum. Like you hear, you hear the drums, the drums to me scream yacht rock. It's got that. I don't know exactly how to say it. There's a dryness to the drums. Um, it's that salty ocean air. You know what I mean? (laughs) Dries out the drums, but there's a, there's just a certain feel to it. That's like, yeah, this is, you know, whatever, but, but the groove is kind of a disco groove. Now we're in 1978. So we're in the, tail end of the disco era, but I just feel like it's, you could call this like disco influenced yacht rock and disc. And of course this would have been soft rock at the time. Yeah. Um, and if you have not seen the, uh, Paramount plus, um, documentary on soft rock, and there's a lot of yacht rock included in that, what we would now call yacht rock, uh, you need to watch it. Uh, it's, it's called Sometimes When We Touch, uh, named after the Dan Hill song. Um, and Corey Larius, by the way, is all over that documentary. He is he is all over the place in and you'll see him, him a lot. We're like, hey, that's our buddy. Yeah, we're like, yeah, it came out like not too long after we had talked to him. Yeah, and we're we like, interviewed Dude. him and then it came out and we're late in releasing this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, we so, just talked but, to that guy. And, uh, and I got to tell you, he's a handsome guy. He's not bad to look at. <laughs> like to this day, the guy's, guy's got the, he's got the little dimples, you know, he's, right. a, he's a handsome dude. Anyway, uh, check that out. It's I think it's a three-part documentary on uh, soft rock and uh, its sort of impact and origin and all that stuff. And it's great. If you love this kind of stuff or the, you know, if you like the Christopher Cross of it all uh, or any Air of the Supply soft rock, mentioned. Air Supply, Ambrosia, mm-hmm. uh, any of the yacht, uh, yacht rock stuff, kind of stuff that we've covered, you will definitely, definitely enjoy that. Uh, okay. A few listening notes from me before we uh, get into some more Pablo Cruz. Um immediately I think this song is up tempo and just chipper as all heck. Like it is, this song has a smile on its face. You know, there's nothing really down about this song. Even the message is hopeful, right? Mm-hmm. Love will find a way, like keep your heart, keep your heart open. Love will find a way. Um, the opening guitar riff kind of feels like it's going to be a heavier, yeah, more straight ahead rock. Same. Thing. Yeah. I was going to say like, play a little bit of the beginning. Cause I feel yeah. like even the way the drums enter, it sounds like it's going to be, more driving than it ends like it yeah like first of all the tempo there confuses the snot out of me like <laughs> Let's like play that dr- i'm like what tempo is this song i don't know yeah. it's all right it's like where, where are we going it takes me a minute to get on but uh yeah same it's uh i'm with you on that it sounds like it could, could easily be the blues brothers version of the um oh gosh what's it called the um don't let it play don't play uh what's the uh you know the song I'm talking about? What is the theme song to some TV show? Whatever that is, right? It feels like it could be 
the gosh, it's not Perry Mason, and that's what I can't get out of my head. Um, anyway, Dragnet? it's some cop know. show. Yeah, it is a cop show for sure. I just can't think of what it is. Oh, it's Dragnet. not Hill Street wow, Blues. Wow, wow, wow. It's it's going to drive me insane. Okay. Anyway, I'll I'll think of it later. I'll think of it in the shower tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it makes it feel like oh, this is a this is a rock outfit. You know, we're getting to. <laughs> but then uh, you know, it's it's just a uh, you know, it's just a it's like the cool. It's like the warm breeze blows in the- over the song. They're like, no guys, we're doing this instead. Right. Okay. And everybody just goes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you've got the melody and chords following each other on the, following each other's movements kind of on the verse. I like that. You've got the like electric piano, that classic mm-hmm. electric piano sound when the melody's going, ah, 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 it, the keys are going, dip, 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 you know what I mean? Kind of, kind of that same thing. Um, and then you get to the, the chorus and the guitar transitions and guitars chugging along. And then you get to the chorus and the guitar goes to more of a, uh, what, what says to my brain, almost like a ska thing. It's an accent on two and four. Okay. Just right. Check mm-hmm. it. Listen to these little real thin chords that come up on the chorus. Now, if it was Scott, it would be 10 times busier. It would be, but it's that that chord type, you know. And it's also like a Motown, yeah. really, is what we're getting into here. You know, that kind of thing. It's really, truly, it's Motown at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, you get some nice tambourine in there to help set off the, the course, too. Um, okay, I do have a question. I'm going to go to... to 211 okay. of the song, okay? And I need you to help me identify what song this makes me think of. Okay. Okay? And once I realized I want this to transition into some other song here when I hear this, and I don't know what it is, but I didn't think too much about it because I wanted to ask you and see if you could figure it out, okay? okay. So I literally don't know the answer to this okay. question, okay? And we may so, have been like, I don't know. But. Yeah, so if you're listening and we don't come up with it, please let us know. Shout it at us but, and tweet us. So here, we're coming out... Right here. That. Just that section. I want to hear. So there's a song that does that almost that same hit in that same kind of register. But but and then there's a guitar that goes. My brain kind of wants it to be Steely Dan, but I don't think it is. Uh, I, don't know. I, I think it's more of like a, a, a of a rock song. I'm going to play that hit one more time. So y'all listening can can help me. Like in a high register, like that lady guitar is like, anyway, if it comes, just yell it out. If you get it, yell it out. Uh, all right. A little more on Pablo Cruz. Actually, why don't we meet the band first and then we can, I'll, I'll give what I have uh, on a little more Pablo Cruz. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey mama, let's meet the band. Let's all um, 
so a little bit on this band that plays on public. I'm actually holding the vinyl right here. It's beautiful. It's good looking vinyl. Great logo. Love their logo. Brilliance. Um, So the original bass player, Bud Cockrell, left right before recording the album. So like immediately right before before recording. We'll talk about uh, who replaced him down here. But David Jenkins on guitars and vocals. He was in another band called Southern Pacific uh, with Stu Cook of CCR. And Keith Knudsen and John McPhee of the Doobie Brothers, among others. Um, they had some charting signal, singles, uh, Midnight Highway and New Shade of Blue. Though most of his uh, Pablo career, he played a Gibson, or throughout most of his Pablo career, he played a Gibson uh, ES-335. Um, he plays a, a Les Paul on Love Will Find a Way, at least in the live concert video. So that's a Les hmm. Paul. Um, and now he plays a white Strat predominantly. I read an article uh, the other day where he said, put a telly in my hand and I'm lost. Really? Yeah. So, Les Paul, he's good with here. Strats, what he plays productive. He's like, don't give me a telly. Huh. Like, I'm just lost. Um, he still plays through the exact same Mesa Boogie Mark Four he had for 25 plus years. This does not sound like a Mesa Boogie amp to me. No. At all. So, but that's what he's playing through. Um, here, he's playing He's that? playing through a Mesa Boogie. Right On this. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy. Because yeah. that sounds like a clean Fender twin yeah to me but yeah. yeah let's paul through a mess boogie crazy which i don't even know how you get that sound out of that yeah <laughs> um on percussion and drums steve price uh he met cory larios in high school through the marching band and they joined a band together called stone ground um he is also credited on being rick james album street songs which has super freak but i can't find what he plays or where he plays on what song so that's kind of got an asterisk for me so okay. he's credited on there but i can't find where Okay. Um, on bass, the guy that replaced uh, Bud that we mentioned earlier is a guy named Bruce Day. Uh, bass and vocals. All I can really find on him is he uh, died of unknown causes on June of 1999 and has a great perm mullet. Uh, <laughs> that kind of 80s half mullet that's so full and thick, it looks like an ad for Perk Plus. It's like an amazing mullet. Uh, and then Corey, who we're hanging out with uh, at the end, he's piano, keyboard, synth, backing vocals, and programming. Some side men that are on here, Rob mentioned Bill, who I was excited about uh, to talk about. If you want to go back to Bill, uh, go to July 13th of 2022 for there our interview go. with him. Let's try to make that easier for you guys. Um, some additional synth on here is a guy named Steve Percaro, who y'all are one of the Percaro wow. brothers. Yeah. Um, on uh, some programming, James Newton Howard and uh, Mike Percaro actually went in and, and doubled some bass parts in as well too. Oh, very so, cool. So some, some Toto love on that one. Love it. Uh, a little more than I've got on uh, Pablo Cruz. They formed in 1973. They had five top 25 singles in just their in their first few years. Um, it is quintessential yacht rock. Um, in 2015, Corey Larios, uh, we talk a little bit about this with him, released an EP with one of the funniest titles I know. Yeah. It's called, If I Could Change Anything, It Would, it would be, be You. you. And that's mad and, uh, That's uh, under the name Corey Charles, uh, but uh, that's, that's Corey Larios. His, let me get into a little bit of his TV and film credits. Um, you may have heard Corey's work on, such as, uh, let's see. Let's do, oh, Yu-Gi-Oh. How about the main title theme and episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh in 2011? Um, uh, the Land Before Time in 2008, uh, one of the Land Before Times there. Baywatch galore. Like, Baywatch is one of the biggest things and most that he's done the most of. Like, tons and tons and tons of-, of And you'll like his story you know, on a, that. Yeah, great yeah. story. Um, diagnosis Murder, love that. Martial Law, Steel Chariots- <laughs> 
um, Angel Flight Down, Baywatch Nights, Baywatch Forbidden Paradise, Mighty Max, Days of Our Lives, Goodness Earth Christ. Force, um, just Max Headroom. We talked to him about Max we Headroom. Did. If you're a child of the 80s, dude, if you're either a child of the 80s or you've ever seen Back to the Future 2 where Marty goes to, was he go to 2015? Oh, oh my gosh. gosh and he goes into the cafe eighties and they have all these characters doing this weird, like Pepsi free. Yeah. It, they, they do this, this weird, like stuttering thing and they're very computer generated looking. That's a play on Max Headroom. If you've never known that before, go look up Max Headroom. Um, he's done uh street fighter two, the animated movie thunder in paradise, which is <laughs> if you remember thunder in paradise was a Hulk Hogan vehicle. It was Hulk Hogan. And was it Carl Weathers? Was Carl Weathers in Thunder in Paradise? I don't know. Hold on. No, I might be thinking of something else. Uh, but it was where like- thinking of No Holds Barred with Tiny? That, that, the whole no, Hogan arm wrestling movie? I, but I, I feel like, uh, hold on. Oh man, that's going to drive me nuts. Because now I don't know. There was somebody in there that I'm, that I'm misinterpreting. Anyway, Thunder in Paradise um, was like Hulk Hogan was going to step away from wrestling and do some more acting or whatever. And Thunder in Paradise became the thing. Uh, oh, wow. He's in Thunder. And he was also Thunder Lips in Rocky. He was thund- yeah, that's right. Man, Maybe he's, he's Thunder, thunder Lips thunder. in Paradise. Yeah. Thunder Lips in Paradise. Uh, let's see. Child's Play, Boiling Point, The Tower, uh, Stephen King vehicle, uh, One Crazy Summer, Dracula AD 1972. He's done themes for CBS, Direct TV. Uh, this is a uh, Corey Larios, by the Corey way. Corey Not Hulk Hogan. Not Hulk Hogan. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, just tons and tons and tons of uh, songs and placements for Corey Larios. It's very cool. Uh, let me dig into a little music theory on this, and Please then do. and then we're going to talk about some uh, some more musics because I had you I had you compile a little list for me. Uh, okay, so the verses are in G. Let's let's go back and play a little bit so we can talk in this theory in in where we are here. Boom. How's that for a cue? Nailed that. So now we're in G. Okay. So we're going to go up to the four. Okay. Now, here's one thing right away that I love. There's lots of good, like, flat seven over the root action yeah, like, in the, this song. So the bass player's sitting on the one there. Right. But Corey's not. Yeah, like, yeah, he's, yeah. His right hand is all over the place. Right. And so you're getting a lot of that. It, it, you could call it a nine, the da, 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 but you could also call it, you could play an F over G there and not do any harm. You could call it that, right? Okay. okay that flat seven over seven. one. And then you're going up to this, to the four. Um, but Which instead of playing a, a straight, like a C seven, you're hearing either a C nine or a B flat over C, which sounds amazing there. Um, How do you play that? But so he doesn't play the G in he's his not left really hand? Playing, he's not really playing the, in his left hand. Oh, I mean, if it's over. Oh, because he's on over the four. Yes, yeah, oh, so he's four over card. the four. So he's playing like a B flat, B flat chord over a C. Over a C. Okay. Uh, you're not really hearing a lot of it, E in that chord. Mm-hmm. So it's either a B flat over C or so like your a C extremes chord nine. If you're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the chorus goes to a different key. It's a relative key. It goes to the key of D. So it jumps up to the, to the key that is the five of, of G. Um, but we're going to set it up with, I think what we're hearing to set this up is an F sharp diminished seven to a G over a to set up the move to D. So, but here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go from G to D and I'll tell you how you can tell pretty quickly that we're in a new key and not just the five of the original key. Okay. So there's the one, one. Thinking, you say goodbye, 
here comes our transition to the five. So now we're not just on a D chord, but we are on a, but we're in a new key of D. Okay. So we've got the little setup there. Um, and the way you can really hear it is in the keys. Um, because you get in the keys where it's really like a one and then like a four over one Mm -hmm. that helps your ear to understand we're in a new key for something about that progression. When you, if you make that, and this is like true of just about any key change. If you're in a, in a sort of a pop setting to put to, to vamp with a four over one lets your ear establish the fact that you're in a different key now. Um, and so something about it was when you get past the pain, that chord that's happening there immediately puts your ear at rest. And then the melody is singing it's notes that yes, could be in the key of G still, but you're, it's letting you're already established in D by that point. So it just. Right. That's kind of what's telling you. Six, five minor, four. So interesting way to get back out of it too, because even though you're in D, it's a new key. You're playing that five minor, which is not uh, diatonic to the key of D. It's you're you're going uh, B minor, A minor, G, and that doesn't happen naturally. It would naturally be an A major. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and then you're tra- transitioning back to G. And so, if you didn't catch that, that was a key change going into the chorus. You probably caught that something happened there. Going back, down. Going back yeah, because yeah. you're you're ending on that uh, um, ending. What is? Are we going from G as the four to G as the one? Is that all that transition is? Let's see. Hold on. Oh, but we went to the five, then four, which is now the new one. Yeah, okay. The four of D. The four of D, yeah, which we're reestablishing as the one there. So there you go. Um, Yeah, okay, I think that's all I have on my theory. So let's, let's, I I asked you to make a list. Because if you just start searching love will in your streaming service of choice, uh, you're going to get a lot of songs that come up. Because there's a lot of songs about love, and there's a lot of songs about uh, what love will do. Okay. <laughs> right. So, uh, this one in particular is love will find a way. And so alternating gonna, fashion for our purposes, I think we'll have to do it. Well, I'll just, I'll just once. set it to, and I'll just, Oh, oh yeah. You Oh, I didn't send it to you. I'm just, I can just tell it to you and you can type it in. Or is that just too much? Okay. Work? No, no, that's great. That's great. Okay. So let, we'll, so uh, yeah. I said, I said, JP, make a list for me of your five top songs with love will in the title. Okay. So, Here's what uh, so I've got my five, but I feel like we're gonna say some of the same. Okay. So I I put in a couple of I when, put in a couple when of extras you, when you take mine because I know you will. Um. So I want to go first because I want to say this one before you say this one. Okay. All right. I want to say the first one. All right. Um. Uh, premise good. Everybody good. Did premise good. Yeah. So this is not. So there are songs that have to get left out because you you can't use love can build a bridge by the it judge has to have the words love, love will, will in that back. order. Yes. Yep. So my first one is My Love Will Follow You by Dave Barnes. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That was a backup on my list. Okay. That's uh, my, that is. I'll that tell is, you why in a minute. Okay. So this is, 
Is it because it starts with ma? From, <laughs> no. So this is from uh, Notes from Paris, Dave Barnes. I'll hit the chorus here in yeah. a second, but here we are okay. at the beginning. Man, I love that so much. My love will follow you. In the ups and downs, I'll be the hand you hold on to. My love will follow you. One thing I love about this song is something they normally try to get you to something they normally try to get you to keep out of a recording is that slap That's, of the acoustic guitar. Uh, uh, they normally try to get you to like minimize that when you're in the studio. No, it's all in. Uh, it's like he put extra yeah, in there. Extra I love slap. that. Okay. So if you did that, then I'm going to choose because I actually had two Dave Barn picks. Okay. Did you have this one also? You're good. This is maybe, oh, nah. it's not my favorite Dave Barn song of all time, but it puts me in a place as fast or faster than any other Dave Barn song ever. This is love will be enough for us. Which also you could have used the Brandon Heath. Uh -huh. Brandon Heath cut this and put it out. Build a little cabin on a little tall I love this. Oh, I just oh, you just pointing. No, I just Let's see. Play a little chorus. Hold on. Yeah. It feels so good. This is one of my favorites. We're not going to play all of all these songs, but it's Dave. We love Dave. The feel of that, that song. That bridge in there the, that hits oh, too. Oh, yeah. Good, it's great. such a great song. Okay. All right. Continue. Oh, it's back to What's me. Sorry, yeah, I got back lost in that. Um... Let's go. Man, I don't know if I want to try to say them before you do. Why not? Love will keep no, us alive, Eagles. Okay. All right. I, th I thought that would make an appearance. I uh, kept it out of my five, though. Okay. Little Timothy B. Timothy Schmidt B. action for you. Hitting them high notes. Although this could have also been on Dave Barnes' Carry On San Vicente yeah, exactly. album. Man, you remember how all over the radio this was? All right. That's a little Love Will Keep Us Alive by Eagles. In that case, all right, I'm going to go next with, uh, oh, I'm going to give you one more chance to give one that I really want to do. You better not do this one. I'm going to get, okay, okay, all right, fair enough. I won't. I won't I'm do wearing a shirt of one of my artists, all so right. if he picks that I won't one. steal it then. I'm going to go with Love Will Lead You Back by Taylor no, Dane. that's what I was saying was that, for the end. Was yes, it really? I freaking love this oh, one. Oh, man. Yes. Let's hit that chorus. Oh, man. Dude, this... This might be my favorite one on the list. This really? Is my I love this song. We closed an episode with this song one time. <laughs> I don't, you remember that? Where we played it out? Vaguely. This melody and chord. I love this. Yeah. 
I freaking love this song. That was gonna be my closer. I didn't think it, I didn't think it would make your list, but man, yes. All right. Um, well, then I guess I gotta go. I gotta go, Janet. Now, so love will never do. I'm actually wearing a Janet Jackson shirt, and I've got a, a take on this song. Jump ahead a little bit because it takes yeah. a minute to get in it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, get, uh, get at least to the chorus. <sighs> That's obviously on the Rhythm Nation album. Are you yeah, sure? Right. <laughs> but yeah, try to skip ahead to the chorus a bit okay. because I've got something that I noticed that I love this chorus. So. Gosh. So, something I noticed that you can keep playing. I can talk okay, over okay, it okay. because it even does it on the verse. Every line she sings is keyboard played underneath. Huh. That little hit. Yeah. Back it up and listen to the yeah, chorus. Yeah. Go back it up and listen to the chorus. Does the same thing on the chorus. And I went, Janet Jackson does that so much. Really? So much. Huh. Crazy. I can't unhear it now. There'll be another chorus coming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, Gosh, I love this song. Me too. What? what it, it's just some sort of... Yeah. I wonder if that's a Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis thing. Maybe. You know she I mean? does that's it a like lot. A hallmark. A yeah. lot. So Janet Jackson, I, I don't want to get myself in trouble here. Janet Jackson is the weirdest mix of sexy, adorable, uh, wholesome, and, and nasty. S- yes, <laughs> and nasty. nasty. Yeah. At the same yeah, time, yeah. she exists in all those planes. Yeah. And I don't know how she pulls it off, uh-huh. but she is really like... I don't know. She occupies a kind of a singular space yeah, yeah. in my brain. She's still, she's still, a, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. like, you're good. Oh, it's Janet Jackson. And then you're like, oh, wait. Oh, Janet. Janet Jackson. Wow. Yeah. Janet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Come on. Uh, okay. All right. My next one. This is kind of a classic. So this is not one that like I'm listening to a lot, but I feel like it deserves a spot. Okay. This is Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. Okay. See, that one. I don't get. Okay. Like, it's got to be on the list, but this is not... I, I don't get Joy Division. Okay. Like, I get this song. Okay. I won't let it get too far in, but let's hear a little vocal. All right, your next pick. What you got? Uh, Love will keep us together. Captain and Tennille. Captain and Tennille. Now, you want to talk about some stuff I didn't know that I learned from this uh, Yacht Rock documentary. The the trouble that they had. Captain and Tennille were just fraudulent. Oh, my gosh, yes. Wow. It's funny because it has kind of a simmer melody on that. To level, with to level way, yeah, yeah, level final way. Yeah, and I can sing spot. these together, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, yeah. Anyway, that's a goodie. Yeah, that's crazy. Turns out Captain and Tennille were just Faking a total joke of a relationship. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. She crazy. tried. 
Yeah, she, she tried. She was in love. She was in love with him, and he was a, either a weird guy or maybe a neurodivergent. Yeah, something like that. And, and, and it just never clicked for him the way it did for her, which is weird. It's seriously, you got to, if nothing else, uh, the information on them in that thing is really interesting. Okay. What is this number four or five for this me? This is number four for you. I'll be on my Number fifth. four for me. Okay. Then in that case, I'm going to go, um, let's see. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with Susan Tedeschi. This is just love will. Yeah. I won't hate on that. Nothing wrong with that. Dude, no. You know right all. away. I'm yeah. in on this. Yeah, so. Gosh, I like her a lot. Yes, ma'am. It's better that you wait. Take me anywhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll follow you anywhere. <laughs> All right, your fifth and final pick. Last then. one. I'm going. Uh, uh, I, I want, really want to get this one in there because I want y'all to check out this band sometime. There's a band called Inhaler. They have a song called "Level Get You There." This isn't necessarily my favorite Inhaler song, but I didn't know Inhaler till a few months ago. My wife is a big fan of them. Took me, and they sold out Brooklyn Bowl, which me and Rob have seen a show there, and the crowd sang everything. Okay, by then, so really dedicated. Yeah, dedicated crowd. fan base. So not this isn't my favorite of their songs, but, but it's, it's a song by it's them. It's a gateway. And this will, maybe you'll get into right, something. Jump ahead because, jump ahead like 20 or 30 seconds okay. to get into actually the meat of the song. So it's this kind of feel. Enough. enough yeah. to get a feel for it. No, that's good. Good feel. I'm a sucker for a good uh, two major chord, you know, coming in there. All right. Then, uh, all right. I'm going to close my list then out with. All right. Man, I got a couple. I'm surprised you didn't throw a little. There's a Love Will Find a Way by Yes, I thought might have made your list. Um, I'll go with Whitney Houston. How about Love Will Save the Day from the Whitney yeah. album? Yeah. I didn't think you would do Taylor Dane. Like, I'm still... That's uh, no. really surprising. All right. Let us know as you're listening. What would you add? What's your Which love little song? Because there is... There I do are, like this one a lot. Uh, there are legendary artists that we have not included in our list. I won't spoil them. That's right. But if you just start looking up Love Will, then it, it just explodes with songs. Days all in your face. Um... Okay, let's. You got to stump the genius, I do, don't you? I do. Wow. Let me tell one story okay. that's a downer story okay. that I didn't know about, and then we'll bring it up with Stump the Genius. Okay. So in '78, the same year this album came out, uh-huh. uh, in July of '78, you know the story about the 1978 SS America was boarding. Uh, anyway, no. I started doing. It was boarding and realized passengers were handing in tickets 
uh, several names weren't on the manifest, but they departed and they were just like, everyone on board. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. No tickets, whatever. Fair was advertised for two nights voyage at $99. So just ridiculously low. Yeah. So they're just like, everybody on board. So, but once all on board, like the nightmare set in, there was oh, no, no bed sheets, toilets went flush, cockroaches everywhere. Uh, and one lady was like, it was like a floating garbage can. Uh, so here's the worst part. hundred pa- hundred plus passengers at sea didn't have cabin space. So they just started fighting with each other and a crew demanded to be off the ship. So they just dropped them off. <gasps> at Staten Island. So they just dropped them off and admitted like, we goofed, our bad. You know, <laughs> the, here's what's crazy. July 3rd, the very next day, they set sail again and repeated the exact same thing. What? Just, it's crazy. So anyway, the Coast Guard had to ground them and the rest is history. How, the crazy thing about that is this album came out in 78. Uh-huh. June of 78, and that happened July of 78. Dude. So I was just looking up like cruise. Cruise, yeah. It like happened right then. Cruise stories. Anyway, I didn't know that story. Wow. anyway, let's pick it up with a little stuff of genius. That feels like it was the precursor that like originally you were looking for cruise factoids for Stump the Genius, and you landed there. I landed there. I did, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, because anyway, let's play Stump the Genius, and I'll, I'll get into that. Okay. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. Stump the Genius. Okay, so yes, we're going to play Stump the Genius. That is exactly kind of how I landed there. So I was going to do Famous Pablos, but I could only come up with three. Okay. Picasso, Escobar, and Sandoval. I was like, so that don't work. So I thought about looking up crew stuff, and that's where I found that story, and I just went on this. And then I looked up Corey's, but I could only think of Wong and Feldman, so okay. no, not much there. <laughs> so I'm going to do, I looked up a, a list that was most popular songs played on a cruise ship. Okay. So I found a list of 10, and I picked seven. Okay. So here we go. 42 seconds on the clock. 42 seconds. Because that's six seconds per song. You get Very specific. Six seconds per song, and I'm, th- I'm cheering for you to go seven for seven. Okay, 46 seconds here. 42 seconds. I'm sorry, 42 seconds on the clock. six seconds per song. Okay, ready? Ready, and, and go. here we go. Uh, that's Margaritaville. Okay, you can just say Jimmy the artist. Buffett. Okay, sorry. Uh, Kokomo Beach Boys. Nice. Uh, oh, Gordon Lightfoot. No, it's not Sundown. Oh, it's. Get in there, guy. Sitting in. Oh, okay. The Otis Redding. Otis Redding. Sorry. Oh man, this... get in there sooner. Sorry. Eighteen seconds. So I'm stuck here oh, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Yep. Ten seconds. Oh, this is our guy. This is uh, come on, it's the Pina Colada song. It's Rupert Holmes. Rupert Holmes. Four seconds. Oh, too oh, no. slow. Oh, no. Oh, oh that's Christopher Cross. Christopher Cross. I'm counting it. I'm and you would have gotten... Oh, I'm not going to sail away. Sticks. Okay. Yeah, you would have right. got there. I, I was almost. ready to hook you up in a little bit. Yeah. So six out of seven, and you would have got there if you'd have had a couple more seconds. I yeah. should have given you more time for something. But good job. Nice All right. Job. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. We're going to go now to our uh, interview with Corey Larios of Pablo Cruz. We're going to talk to him about uh, scoring for film and TV. Honestly, if you if this is something you've ever thought about talking, you, you need to listen to him. He had some really interesting perspective, I thought, on um, scoring. Um, how do you, How would you call it? Sort of outside the box that you think of when you're, when you're, when you're writing for a song, when you're writing for a song, you're thinking in sections and patterns and blah, blah, blah. He talks uh, to us about, you know, writing, um, 
writing in a linear way where the song doesn't have to come back to the same pattern every four bars and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a different thinking process. So if you've ever considered scoring, uh, be sure and listen to this uh, interview with Corey Larios. You're going to get a lot from it. And uh, we're going to have a great time with him. And uh, man, let's hop a cruise. We'll see you guys well, on the other end uh, to tuck you in. Yeah, we'll make like Pablo and Cruz. Hey. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Corey Larios of Pablo Cruz and many, many other things, many of your favorite film and television <laughs> shows. Uh, you know Corey's work, uh, even if you may not uh, have known it going in. Uh, we're going to talk to him about all that stuff. Corey, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. We been are- looking forward <laughs> yeah, man, we have two. It, t- it took us a little while to get together, but we made it. We made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good. We're here. <laughs> I think uh, you're the first person. We've talked to people who have won various and sundry awards through the, you know, through the industry over time. I think you're our first combination Emmy, ASCAP, and BMI award winner. Uh, I think you're our first Emmy winner overall. I'm not 100% sure on that, but uh, it's very cool to have uh, somebody who is as established and, and, and prolific and respected as yourself on today. Well, thank you. Thank you. I feel very honored to be the one and only. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I want to start out with a question about uh, compilation records because uh, the... the um, you know, we're, we're, we're focusing on, uh, our episode is going to be focused on Pablo Cruz. And, uh, you know, so I know like love will find a way, uh, is on a lot of compilations of like, you know, one of the most, the, one of the ones that comes to mind is like now, uh, now that's what I call yacht rock, right? There's all these, <laughs> now that's what I call pop. Now that's what I call music, you know, whatever. And it's on now that's what I call yacht rock, uh, which is awesome. But what I'm curious, uh, what's the process like of getting on, one of those compilation records, is it different from, you know, putting a song on your own album or do the licenses, mechanicals, all that stuff work differently? Yeah. I mean, you know, I probably, I don't even know about the one you're talking about, but what happens is basically is that we'll just get a, you know, a, a letter saying we would like to include your song. Well, we'll find a way in a compilation and it'll tell you all this, the other artists that are on it. And it's really just simple signatures saying, yeah, sure. Oh. That sounds I mean, we, you know, it's not, we're not out pitching for that thing. A publisher does a UMG, um, you know, universal music group that, you know, they pitch stuff like that, but it just gets to, to me, it's just a letter. Just, would you approve it? Gotcha. Pretty, pretty simple. And yeah, probably we're probably on a lot more compilations than I even know. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know uh, you talked about UMG, and every time I hear somebody talk about Universal, I think about the the uh, fire that happened a few years ago where a lot of artists lost oh, yeah. masters and stuff like that. Did, were you guys affected by that? I don't think that we were, but we did get a letter about it. But I, I, I don't think we were in one of the, you know, anywhere near the fire. Gotcha. Like, you uh, So you started a band when you're uh, in high school, uh, pretty notable high school, Palo Alto High School, right? That's where Devontae Adams, NFL star, went, and Joan Baez, Dave Franco, James Franco, Jeremy yeah, Lin, yeah. Jim Harbaugh. What makes this high school such a magnet for talent, or is it just the size? <laughs> you think it's just based on the you know, size? I, that's, a good, that's a good question. You know, um, a guy that wrote a little book about all of the musicians that came out of that area, not just Palo Alto, but Woodside, Atherton, you know, just uh, south of San Francisco, which is usually it's about 30, 40 miles south in that all that area. And there's a ton of people. I mean, from Lindsey Buckingham to Stevie Nicks, you know, certainly all the Grateful Dead guys were hanging out on University 
found it when I was in high school. So there were a ton of people, some of them, I mean, I went to school with Pigpen's sister, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was like, there was a lot of, a lot of music going on in the Bay Area at that time, a lot of music going on in Palo Alto. Um, I don't know that it had anything to do with school. I think it just had to do with, you know, it was a great place to grow up, great place to raise kids, that whole Bay Area, um, you know, just, just the, geographically is an awesome place, you know? So that's kind of, that's kind of probably, I mean, I don't think there was anything, you know, they were, they were recruiting people potentially <laughs> who were going to be musicians or whatever. We're going to talk with you a, a, quite a bit about uh, your uh, film and television work because you've done so much of it. And I, we can see in posters behind you, I see Chucky back there and, <laughs> you know, some other things going on. Uh, I'm curious to know what was your kind of intro into that world, into film and television? How did you get introduced to scoring? Well, I, um, in, in, in Pablo Cruz, we had a lot of instrumentals. The first thing on, uh, on our first three albums, we had some kind of what ended up being kind of like album-oriented cuts. They ended up in, you know, um, in some movies, they also ended up in a lot, a lot of TVs. And they were instrumentals, primarily a lot of piano and whatnot. And I, I really, I just had a knack for it. I loved, you know, and I, when I grew up, you know, back when I was a kid, I listened to a lot of soundtracks a lot. You know, I mean, I, everything from, you know, from Sound of Music or West Side Story, or listened to a lot of composers. And when, um, when the band, you know, as, as things went on with the band and things started to go south with the band, I kind of wanted to branch off and, and pursue that as a career, you know, or pursue it as a, try to pursue it as a career. Because it was definitely, uh, you know, there's a ton of guys in L.A. that, you know, all over the country, lots of composers, although it was a new medium, electronic music in in you know, uh, TV shows, because back then, mostly um, there was just a handful of guys doing it, like um, uh, Stuart Copeland, who's you know, a drummer from the police, he was doing it. And um, the, there were just a few guys that were breaking out, but they were also electronic guys, like guys that had, you know, lots of synthesizers and stuff. And I, and I was one of those guys. So I came from the, mostly from as a pop songwriter, as a songwriter, but I did have, have you know, enough chops to, to understand it. And it was a quick study too, because once I got in there, I got hit really fast with, with how that, that particular um, business worked and how, you know, writing for, especially for TV, because I mean, I was coming from making an album every two years, you know, so you just, you know, and then all of a sudden we're knocking out, you know, 30 minutes or 35 minutes of music in five days, things like that. And sometimes wow. even quicker. So yeah, I learned, I learned how to do that. And uh, certainly, um, you know, the technology was, was a big, you know, helper there. It was a huge asset back then. And when I look at what we were doing back then in the mid eighties, compared to what you can do now, it was unbelievably how antiquated that stuff is, you know, but it was the start. It was the start. And, and, um, yeah, so I just, you know, I, I got lucky. I, I got an agent and I, and coming off of Pablo Cruz and having written some hit songs, you know, there was interest in what, what can this guy do? And so I landed my first, actually my first movie was called One Crazy Summer and um, with uh, Demi Moore. And I got to tell you, it was an experiment in terror because I, <laughs> I got the job. I got the job, you know, and the producer was a fan of the band that actually the director uh, was and the guy who wrote the movie was a fan of the band and a fan of particularly of my playing. And so one thing led to another and, and you know, 
Dyke. I was hired, um, but it was it was a big project. It was a lot of music. It was for Warner Brothers, and it was it was a or, or, orchestral score, uh, and um, so that's how I kind of that's how I got my feet wet. And then the next thing I did was a TV show called Max Headroom, which was just this amazing TV show, which was really really big budgets really complicated show to do and the show was they had they had two sets one up in san francisco and one down in southern california i had a studio in um, sausalito california which is just a little north of the gold gate bridge and that's where you know i was doing the music there but i i gotta tell you that was that was scary because they were mixing the show they were mixing the show in los angeles and um i mean this is before you know we could send stuff you know, the way we move stuff now, the way we're doing this today, yeah. and the way I can send you a score, you know, via WeTransfer or Dropbox or somewhere, just the whole thing, you know, and, and you know, massive size files and whatnot. Back then, you know, we didn't even have fax machines. I mean, we they would spot, spot the show, and spotting the show means you'd sit with the producer and look at the scenes, and they'd say, okay, from this number to this, the symphony numbers, they'd say, from this number to this number, we want this to feel like this. But they give it, you know, and then there was a music editor who would write down all the notes. The way I got my notes in Sausalito from L.A. was through a modem. <laughs> it would take, would take like six hours to get the notes, you know, and they the notes out. It's just like, like little bits of, of uh, you know, paper was, you know, I forget how long it took, but I mean, it was painful. Whereas today, you know, it's just like, boom, the click, it's all over there. You know, in a second, you know, we can get our notes either, you know, we don't, I don't even use fax, it's all emails and whatnot. But but anyway, that's how I got started. And, and I got through Max, um, and then one thing led to another, and I just get, get, was getting hired, you know. And, and so I and I didn't look back at the band because the band we we had kind of that's a whole other story. But uh, it was a good, it was a great departure because I had just gotten married and I didn't want to be on the road anyway, you know. So well, you, uh, you know? through your uh, through your explanation of that, you checked off like two or three of the questions <laughs> that I had without me even having to ask them. So great job. Well, on there that. you go. Thank, thanks, for touching on, <laughs> thanks for touching on One Crazy Summer with, with Demi and John Cusack. A uh, couple of others that were out there that I haven't seen. I haven't seen One Crazy Summer, sorry, but Reach for the Top uh, for the movie Dreamer. I haven't seen Dreamer. And then I should have seen Inside Moves because I'm a basketball fan with John Savage, but I haven't seen that. I know you did some music for that. But um, th- how did your partnership with, with John sync up? You and John DeAndre, how did that connection come about? Because y'all did some stuff for Baywatch and other things that we'll touch on. How did you and John uh, start work? Start well, doing stuff John, John was had hired me for a session, and he was a um, he was actually teaching at USC. You know, um, he's a composition for film and television, and he he had a lot of lots of credits. John was mostly like a, a gun for hire. Um, arranger more than anything conductor arranger and he did all the kids he did all donnie and marie osmond and all these like you know the, the the pop the young pop stars the justin biebers of the, of the 60s or 70s he, did, he uh, did indian reservation for paul revere and the raiders and i've had the time of right. my life, life for the right. dancing stuff all I mean, and he was like it's so I, he hired me to play piano on a session and i flew down to la and i'm doing it and, and i said and, and i knew he was 
you know, into the film composition and TV composition. And I said to him, you know, hey, I have this little demo I made. You know, I'd love to have you take a listen to it and see what you think, because I'm, I'm kind of wanting to get into this. And so he called me back and he goes, this is great, man. He says, if I can do anything at all to help you, I'm happy to help you. And he he and I hit it off. It was it was like a great partnership for a long time. And and um the first, the, I was at his studio, Studio City, mixing this horror film. <laughs> this awful film that I ended up getting, and there was a political thing, and my agent said, you should do this because the producer, <laughs> is, the director is, is, is related to this other great director. And that's how stuff kind of works, you know, in, in a way. So I went, and it was just god-awful, and I was writing a god-awful score. I just wasn't, couldn't get into it. And and I'm mixing it at John's studio, and then my agent called me and said, listen, there's this new show that's um, already been greenlit on NBC, and it's called Baywatch, and it stars David Hasselhoff, and it's going to be a big deal, and they want a piano-driven score. And the, the, the producer and creator is a huge fan of piano, and he's a fan of yours. So I went in, I was working on this, this, this uh I mean, I remember this like it was yesterday, but this was actually 1989. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm working on this, this stupid film. And in the midst of it, I wrote, uh, they sent a funeral scene. It was a funeral at sea. It was about like a four-minute queue. And they sent, sent that out and wanted me to demo something up. So I wrote the cue, I looked at the, the, the picture and I wrote all the music for the cue. And it was, it was really a good cue, but I didn't have time to orchestrate it. And we needed it like at 10 o'clock in the morning, the next morning. So I leave because it was John's studio was in his house. And I said, do you think you could maybe sweeten this a little bit? And he goes, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, let me, just, let me look at it. And then when I came back that morning, I go, did you have any time to do it? And he goes, no, I didn't have any time. And I'm like, okay, that takes care of that. And he goes, no, I'm kidding. And then he, pulls up the cue and I'm like, my God, this is perfect. We, you know, this is great. And it was, it was a great cue. I mean, there was lots of piano and, and we sent it off and the music supervisors were good buddies of mine. Um, anyway, and, and that, this is, this happened after this, but this was the first time I actually got a call from the supervisors during the meeting going, you're going to get this. You know, and it was just like such an exciting thing. And he goes, yeah, these guys are losing it in there. They're practically crying. It was That's cute. awesome. Yeah. So, John, I said to John, I go, look, you know, I'm not a greedy guy. Um, let's form a little business, man, and we'll do everything 50-50, you know. And, and, and he's like, because he never, he never had that opportunity. Everybody was, like I said, had gone for hire. So he was usually scale, union scale, or getting paid like that. I said, you know, let's, let's, let's blow this thing up and do more than one show and we can, you know, get going. And it really was, was really took off. We did, we, we were together about 15 years. He's Johnson 10 years older than me, but he was, he was, uh, man, just the best guy to work with. He had the best disposition, you know, and, and he had the temperament as a teacher, you know, so I really learned a lot from him in that, in this genre, you know, that's great. So yeah. I said, I was doing, you know, a pop song, you know, are you guys musicians? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what I'm talking about with a pop song, you get, you know, four bars going and you think that you got something going on. Whereas when you're scoring, you know, on a picture, you know, it's, it's a very linear, linear, you know, approach. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And so I learned a lot from him. You know, he, he, uh, he eventually retired and bought, bought a vineyard 
And um, last I heard, he's moving down to uh, Metaia, down in so- uh, South America. Pablo Escobar's old hangout. <laughs> Very cool. Which well, is not, which is not considered one of the safest places yeah. in the world. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, since you mentioned Pablo, let's talk a little Pablo Cruz for a second. I got to ask one quick question. Uh, y'all get asked a lot, I'm sure, about Pablo Cruz being a member of the band, and y'all would say he's the guy in the middle, which is hilarious because y'all are basically a quartet. How did y'all come up with the band name for Pablo Cruz? How, what's that story? It was a nickname I gave a friend of mine who was from Columbia during you know college, and I just it was just a you know he had, he was a very bright guy, interesting guy. Um, came his father you know when they overthrew the government in Colombia they his father sent his kids and his wife to Palo Alto and that's how I met him and he was a, he was a kind of a quirky individual but very smart um and definitely interesting guys and, and he had this demeanor about him so I was like Pablo his name was Joaquin um and he was you know Colombian so uh, but he had this very kind of easygoing way about how he, you know, went about things. Maybe too easygoing, but <laughs> but at the end of the day, it was the, the time when to find a name for the band. We were throwing all these names at it, and it was back in the time when you know Fleetwood Mac and Jethro Tull and all these bands that had kind of two names. And Pablo Cruz just sort of sounded great. It had a great feel to it, and the story that we put together behind it was pretty much, you know, sort of emulated the music, you know? That's cool. So, yeah. That's great. Um, I, going back to Baywatch for a second, because you did like a, a, a ton of music for Baywatch and its various, you know, occurrences, but I read that for the kind of newly released syndicated version of Baywatch that you had to record a bunch of new montage tracks in the hundreds. Was that right? And how on earth did you yeah, pull that off? Well, the thing is, is what happened with the with the show. Um, you know, this, you know, the show was extremely successful. I mean, it was the first show that you know it's like have over a billion people watching it, and and that was back when before streaming and before all the the mediums that are out there, all the platforms that are out there. So. Um, what happened was they licensed all these songs for the first three, uh, 250 episodes or whatever. It was almost 300 episodes. They, they licensed very expensive records. They had a huge budget, but it was like the police and seal and Eagles and beach boys. And the, you know, list went on and on and they were limited licenses. Uh-huh. So they were like, I think they, you know, maybe were six year licenses or whatever. You know, I got them through the episode, but when it came to syndicating and putting it back out there, they couldn't do it. Because they couldn't work, so they they the uh, CEO of Fremantle over in England, a guy named Bob McCourt, um, said, "Why don't we replace these songs?" So they came to me and they said, "Would well, you think you could do this?" And I said, "You know, I do. I think I could do it. I, I mean, I didn't do it myself. I wrote some stuff, but I got a great team of you know, a bunch of young." musicians that I like the, I always like to say they're all dressed up and no place to go. They got studios, they got everything in their house and they just need a job, you know? Yeah. So it was, a, it was a really fun thing for me because I could find these kids and I call them kids, but they were most, yeah, most of them were like in their twenties, you know, or maybe some younger ones. We had a couple that were just brilliant. And I worked with some of the top producers around in the area too, who were working at a stable of people. So collectively, we were able to do, I, I think they said we ended up with like 400 songs and we did it within a year. Holy um, man. That's, dude, that's moving. 
But I'll tell you, this is amazing stuff. I mean, people, because the criteria was tough. I mean, they, we gave them the, the montage. We said, here's the montage. We need to replace this music. You can't copy this music, but it needs to do, the, your, your song needs to do the same thing for this scene as this record's doing. And so they, you know, they make, match the beat, the BPM. You know, they kind of got in there, and, and I'm telling you, it's amazing how much amazing music came out. And, and, and it was like all two or three day turnarounds, too. Yeah. That's crazy. That's really wild. But just, you, you have never done this, you know, 20 years ago. But I mean, because of the technology, because people can basically make a record in their car, you know. <laughs> It was it was pretty awesome, yeah. and I was very fun for me because not only was I able to you know give work to these guys, it was it was really fun to get the final you know deliveries and going my God, this stuff is perfect. And the producers <laughs> were thrilled, and Fremantle was thrilled, and the shows all over the world again. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That's great. When uh when you're reviewing a film for scoring, you get hired to do it, you know, a film or something like that, uh, and especially long form with a film. What what is it that you look for when you're trying to characterize a scene or kind of come up with a motif for a character? If you've got something that's going to be, you know, recurring, or I know you get notes kind of from the studio that like we want this kind of feel, that kind of thing. Uh, but what are some of the things that you're looking for as you are forming what becomes the score? Well. What you said earlier there is that you really do get a, a you know a menu from the producers or the directors of what they're looking for, and um, it's unbelievably complex. Um, it's gotten more complex. I have to say that when I started doing this, there weren't that many guys doing electronic stuff, and they in a lot of the, the, the studios, not nobody really knew what we were doing because back then. You know, um, I mean, it, all those, those 70s TV shows and whatnot, sitcoms and stuff, the, the composer would write, you know, the whole score. No one would hear it. They'd go in the studio and in three hours it was done. You know, it was all studio guys and they'd read the charts and it was a done deal. And the producers would hear it and maybe they could make a fix. But as time went on, I, I remember you realize that these guys, they got on, caught on to it. We could fix stuff really fast. <laughs> yeah. We got all these things and geez, I want an oboe over there. Okay. I'll give you an oboe. Okay. But they started getting, you know, becoming, I, I know this, I felt this way. And I know a lot of guys did. And actually my, my son, my youngest son is an excellent composer. He's, he's doing shows for, he's doing a lot of cool stuff. And he sends me the notes that he's getting from the studios, like from DreamWorks or from Nickelodeon or from Apple. And oh my God, it's like, they're so complex what they want. He's working on something right now and they want everything from, you know, New Orleans jazz to, you know, giant Hans Zimmer stuff. And they, you know, they want it combined. And it's like, oh my God, it's like pretzel. <laughs> You know, so it, it's evolved. But getting back to your question, I, you know, you really are kind of hemmed into a lot of notes. You almost have to do kind of, you know, create create something that they're talking about, but then, you know, spin it your own way. But also, you know, if the guy says, hey, I want clarinets or I want a trumpet or I want some jazz riffs going on underneath this driving, you know, groove or whatever, you kind of get the message from them what what they're looking for. So, um, but in terms of a motif, in terms of themes, things reoccurring, things, yeah, that's that's you know you're constantly trying to figure that out. You know, and a lot of times you you submit a lot of stuff. You know, especially if it's I mean everybody wants to hear stuff now. It's not like they just call you up and go, hey, you got the job. It's like they can have ten guys that are looking for it and they're all good. And, you know. Um, 
Well, well, you've definitely uh, done great in your in your world with that. Yeah. So you're, you're you're an expert on that for sure. There's uh, like so many things that we wanted to touch on, but for sake of time, we'll just kind of condense this down real quick. I was going to talk a little bit about the discography with Pablo Cruz, with the self titled Pablo Cruz, the Lifeline album with the worst cover ever, with y'all all shirtless. <laughs> I mean, the ladies might disagree; they might like that. But Place in the Sun with what you gonna I do? Hated that cover too. <laughs> I'm so, so glad to hear that. Okay. <laughs> I hated it. The label loved it, and then. And then <laughs> The, and the, the photographer Norman Seif was a really, really he was the flavor of the of the year and he had done the Eagles and he did and I think Orleans did one. Just yeah, like that's, that. yeah, that's what that's made me what think we were of. Talking yeah. About the, yeah, they did one very similar, the whole the whole shirtless thing. Um I saw a video recently of you doing Level Find Away on the Hallmark channel, the show Home and Family, and you still got the chops. That was still great. I love that. But I do want to talk about your EP. If I could change anything, it would be you. Uh the video with Erica Jordan. That track and video is so funny um it's under the name Corey charles if y'all are looking out there so um other songs on there um where's the sun to be someone but i like here's looking at me dude you're a funny writer the background <laughs> vocals on that song when it's like when i'm looking to talk to someone smart the background vocals with the he's a genius cracks me up so you're a great writer so. Thank you. Yeah, well, I did that stuff. I, I still, I'm actually getting ready to do some more stuff like that because that's kind of, you know, at this point in my life, I, uh, I I have like lots of ideas that are kind of tongue-in-cheek, funny. Here's looking at me. I, I want to do a video on that. I still haven't done that. The only thing I did with that was I did a video of a bunch of clips from Donald Trump, and it was just perfect of, of uh, you know, just uh, yeah. did you did you say I'm an egotistical baby? I'm a uh, full-blooded narcissist. Yeah. I'm the greatest. You know, it's like, it's perfect. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do it under my own name. Though I kind of Charles is my middle name, and and yeah, it got some, we we got some traction out. I didn't have any expectations except to just do it. And this one guy who was a producer heard it, and he goes, "Man, I would love to put that out." And I said, "Okay, let's do it." But, but it's yeah. funny. It's good stuff. That whole that whole everything. Oh, there's good. I liked it a lot. Um, okay, well, there's one question we ask everybody, Corey. You've been so kind. Uh, we'll be respectful of your time and keep us uh, right at the at the mark that we discussed. Yeah, I, got a, I got a little. What time is it? Oh, yeah, we're, we're good. We'll be. We'll we honor our uh, we honor our stuff. <laughs> we'll talk about cool love next time. We'll get you on there and talk about that uh, from the Reflector album. Um, that's your that's your piano ballad driven song, which uh, I heard. Um, I saw y'all do it on a video in San Fran in 80 live and I love the piano hit so good and David slide work into the solo live is, is really tasty. But one question we ask everybody. So you're on tour, either solo stuff in a group doing Pablo Cruz stuff and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of your gas station snack food, I'll tell you mine. I get a three musketeers bar. Uh, when I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want and it's the most ounces. So I get a three musketeers bar what is Corey snack food of choice from a gas station oh boy well you know there's a lot of temptation in those little you know one stops or those so uh, a lot of times i walk out with nothing bottle of water okay. uh, but uh maybe a kind bar okay that's like a, a kind of a protein thing is that right it's a it's like, it sounds well, like not it sounds healthy really than the stuff I get. Yeah, that's all I know. Well, you know none, none of it's healthy, really. I mean, it's like you know, there's nothing in those those uh, gas station stores that are 
I'm just really happy, I think. You know, it's popcorn, hot dogs, popcorn. Cleanest dirty shirt in the drawer, right? That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess of all of it. Awesome. Good way to put it. Good way to put it. That's right. Well, listen, you guys. Hey. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you got thanks, you got our I'm information. We, Next time you're in uh, Tennessee, look us up. We'll grab a con bar and hang out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll thanks, enjoy guys. the weekend. Yeah, man. Thanks, Happy Veterans Day. Thank you much. Right, Be safe. All right. Cheers. All right. This is the Great Song Podcast. And that was Corey Larios joining us on the Great Song Podcast for another dick, excuse me, (laughs) for another (laughs) deep dive into uh, a little yacht rock. And uh, man, that was good good times there. I'm going to just leave that in. Why not? I didn't actually say anything weird. Um, (laughs) All right. But now I made it weird, but I'm just going to leave all of it in. How about that? Uh, All right. Yeah. Thanks to Corey for joining us. Um, Apologize to everyone. We just made blush. Uh, All right. We'll be back uh, next week with another great song on the Great Song Podcast because that's who we do. That's what we do and that's who we are. And uh, man, what a train wreck I'm having here right at the very close. But uh, we'll see you next week with another great song. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.